everyone, I'm Emma, a certified dog trainer. And I'm Kirsten, a certified dog behavior consultant. And this is Dog Chats. Join us as we chat about dog behavior, having fun with your dogs, and building relationships. We will offer practical advice and a bit of humor. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 16. And if you listened to our last episode, you know we are interviewing each other about what we specialize in. So I am so happy to have Kirsten here today. Thank you. <laughs> where I can interview her <laughs> and all the wonderful things she does. So just in continuation of our last episode and um, finding out what each other does and specializes in, I wanted to find out from you the area you specialize in, mm-hmm. why that appealed to you and why your passion went in that direction. Even mm-hmm. though we do other things when clients call us for leash walking mm-hmm. and jumping jumping or whatever, we, we go out there to do that too, but we yeah. specialize in particular things. So. Um, yeah, so I and I would say I specialize in aggressive behaviors, not aggressive dogs, aggressive mm-hmm. behaviors, uh, and partially because, in my view, those are some of the most misunderstood dogs, and those are some of the most um, emotionally distraught people. Right, your dog just bit the mail carrier. You're in a different place, mm-hmm. and so it really feels like I can do some valuable work. There. You know, not no judgment on the other work that I do with other clients, but there's an, an urgency. Okay. And um, frankly, I'm kind of drawn to that adrenaline rush of, you know, here's this dog displaying aggressive behaviors and I, there's something maybe wrong with me. But <laughs> not at all. It, it feels and, and people yeah. and people need that. And yeah. for somebody to have a passion to do that because there's not a lot of us that that specialize in that area because so often it's not aggressive right it's you know i would say nine times out of ten mm-hmm. the dog is communicating some kind of fear or conflict or uncertainty Absolutely. and as soon as we see that that it's one of the quickest behavior changes it's amazing when you decided that was an area you were going to specialize in where did you get the information the learning from mm-hmm. on how to work with those types of dogs yeah great question um, I was lucky enough to mentor under Trish King, who I said to her, I, I want to go follow you around to your aggression cases because not many people do that. You don't mm-hmm. get to see that. And certainly not many positive trainers, no um, reinforcement trainers do that. So uh, she would select out certain cases and bring me. And sometimes it kind of felt like it was a test, uh, which I loved. But I learned so much from her and her own behavior and her responses. And she's kind of the quintessential, I'm not going to fix the dog and do a lot of training. Let's look at the big picture here and see how we can change the environment and support the people, right? Yeah. So I was so lucky to have that. Um, And then she suggested that I go to a workshop with Michael Mm Shikashio. Fortunately enough, he came up from the East Coast out here to California and did a hands-on defensive handling that was brilliant with Trish McMullen and I got to talk to him and then took his master's course and got to call him my mentor and be in his mentor program. So he was really um, just such a supportive person in my life with some of my initial tricky cases and would let me reach out and get help. And and I wouldn't be here today if I didn't have Trish and Michael Michael. both, you know, and that's, and that's what the wonderful thing is, is having other trainers with, 
experience in that area too to be able to reach out to and, right. and discuss it. Oh yeah. Which is really wonderful. Yeah. So what happens when a client contacts you and says, I'm seeing these things going on with my dog. How do you start that conversation? How do you start your sessions with them? So most of my clients come from either a referral from a vet or another trainer. And it's generally in an email format that says, um, I have an aggressive dog. So I start the conversation with a phone call where I ask them to describe the behaviors they see. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that, that doesn't mean using adjectives like aggressive. It means, you know, what does it look like when your dog sees another dog? What does it look like when a person comes into your home? What is your dog doing? What are you doing? Those kind of questions. Yes. So in the first couple minutes, I get a really good picture kind of of what the needs are of the dog and the person. And um, then I'll just, you know, ask what they have done, what's working, what's not working, and see if I can get a a clearer picture with even more details about the prognosis. And then do you go to their home or do you meet them outside? How how do you set that up? Yeah, every dog is different, right? Mm -hmm. Ideally, I want the dog to be as successful as possible. So, you know, I love it. A lot of people are like, I want you to just ring the bell and I'll let the dog out so you can see the dog being his true self. Uh, and I would say, I don't have to see that. I live that every day with my dogs. Um, but so we'll make a plan on the phone beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one thing Michael Shikashio taught us was also when you arrive that day, I always call from the car and remind them the plan in case someone else opens the door, you know. Uh-huh. So um, generally, I ask for two lines of defense. So either the dog is on a leash with a muzzle or the dog's behind a baby gate with a muzzle. There's there's two safety barriers between me and the dog. And would this be a dog that's um, that you're seeing issues with dogs or with people, or it doesn't matter? That's your kind of... Mm, great question. Start that, that is with people, and that mm-hmm. is particularly with people coming to the home. For a lot of dogs, that's the hardest thing, is that stranger walking into the home. Um, And for some dogs, that can't even happen. So then either the dog is away in another room when I first come in, or we meet on the sidewalk out front. One dog we met three blocks away (laughs) and walk side by side until we got near the home. Um, If it's a dog-dog aggressive issue, then we generally meet somewhere where we can work at a distance from other on-leash dogs or near a dog park where we can... um, learn about that dog before we would bring out the stuffed dog, Balto. Tell us us a little bit about that. If people don't know, they probably, if they've worked with us, they've probably seen the stuffed dog in some form or or another that we use them in. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the stuffed dog can be used for several things. It can be used for... And it's a life-size dog. Life-size. Yes, Um, yes. And I use a husky because huskies and German shepherds tend to be big trigger dogs because mm-hmm. their ears are up, the tail is up, the chest is out. They already look like they're like, game on. Yes. Um, and so the person will bring their dog out front on leash mm-hmm. and I will have Balto behind my car and then just pretend like I'm walking down. And the first thing we do is talk about their own dog's body language yes. because so much of this comes from fear. Right, mm-hmm. or conflict, and so I'll kind of walk the people through. We'll talk about the dog's tail, and the hair on the back, and the eyes, and um, you know, kind of try to not put the dog over threshold. I don't really want to see the dog explode. And, and explain threshold because I think that's mm-hmm. really important for people to understand too what threshold means. Yeah, good. So the threshold is the distance that that dog can still take in information and um, be in the front logical part of their brain. And make good decisions. So if they're over threshold, they've gotten too close to the stuffed dog. They can no longer hear anybody. They're not going to take food. Um, you can barely reach them on the end of the leash because now they're just in that amygdala 
mm-hmm. you know, doing the flight or fight. And um, most dogs naturally are going to do more of the fight, which means get back, get back, get back. Yes. So that's what they're doing to the stuffed dog. Yes. In that case, I usually lay Balto down on the ground, but facing the other dog. Uh-huh. Um, and then as if that doesn't work, then I'll put Balto back in the car for a minute. So there's a specific um, technique that we use while we're doing this. We're not mm-hmm. trying to stress that client dog out anymore by using the stuffed dog to provoke them. Yes. Um, it's more trying to get a little bit of a visual of the behaviors that that dog is exhibiting, the client dog. So then we can figure out, is he acting out of frustration? Is it out of fear? Is it a combination? Um, And also it's so much easier with that stuffed dog to walk the client through some specific handling techniques. Mm -hmm. If it's a human in the dog, the human client immediately is embarrassed. Yeah. And and can't help but get frustrated of at their course, own dog. Of course, yeah. They're looking at that stuffed dog, and most of the time, my client starts laughing, especially when I tip yes. him over to the side, and <laughs> yes. he's got the big cut in his belly and yeah. tape on his leg. Um, so I feel like that just adds this little bit of levity mm-hmm. to the whole process, yeah, which is so important. Out. And of course, you are a professional trainer doing this. This isn't, you know, just oh, exactly. you to go get your stuffed dog and give it oh, a right. go and just see. Absolutely. This is all supervised <laughs> and um, monitored yes. for, for body language and safety and yeah. all of that. Yeah, and it's not always 100% accurate. We do get false positives. Yes. Um, there are some dogs that will come up and attack Balto because mm-hmm. he's frozen and stiff and they're like you're not moving yeah something's wrong with you (laughs) Um, and then you do get dogs who who aren't bothered by it I've actually only had two dogs in all these years uh, both yellow labs uh, who are highly reactive with real dogs have no issue with the stuffed dog they're like that's a stuffed dog they're like whatever that's a stuffed dog and they (laughs) go over and they pick it up by the ear and drag it down the sidewalk (laughs) so what would you um when you start off your sessions what is that one thing that's that that hack, that easy fix that you start with everybody? Yeah. Um, so the, the hack that I start with everybody, if I'm going into the home and there's stranger danger, mm-hmm. it's just called the off-duty hack. That's one of Kim Brophy's um, family dog mediation hacks. And it's something a lot of people do subconsciously anyway, is just have the dog away in another room. But we tend to put them in the other room only when somebody comes. And it feels like a punishment. And then the dog gets FOMO and is freaking out and scream barking and the person's getting more tense. So I talk to them on the phone before I get there about practicing 5, 10, 20 minutes a day with setting the dog up behind a baby gate with, you know, super special bone, a new toy, a couple different chewies, and really making it feel like that's a great place to be. And then picking those things up and then letting the dog out again. So they only get those special things behind the baby gate. A lot of dogs um, do better behind a gate than on a tie down in the house mm-hmm. because some get that leash frustration. Of if course, you don't yeah, have, yeah, if you don't have a place and some people are like, I live in a studio, mm-hmm. then we use a tie down. Then they would be on a leash on a bed with all these special treats for their off duty yeah. hat. And not being able to reach anybody that, right. that can. Exactly. Yeah. That's six yeah. foot. And ideally behind, you know, some kind of pen also. We're always looking for those two lines of defense. That's great. Yeah. And so that's a great management and, mm-hmm. the, and that easy fix. So yeah. say that's in the house. So what if you've got a dog? outside what are those easy what's that an easy fix you can give so my starting point for almost all dog and human reactivity is the look at that game leslie mcdevitt's pattern game um and it's brilliant and it really it was michael shigashio who kind of walked me through this it really changed my way of thinking because up until that point before 2017 i had done a lot of distraction 
You know, it's like mm-hmm. you and I are walking on the street. There's a creepy clown coming up. Yes. And I'd be like, Emma, look at me. And look at the yeah, clown. Look at yeah. me. Look at me. Or stand in, stand in yeah. front of the dog. Stand in front. So yeah, block see. it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and Michael Shikashi talked a lot about how important it was at that distance to actually look at the clown, learn about the clown, hand the dog a treat while they're looking at the clown. And I want you just to say, you said something very important there, at this distance. Mm-hmm. So kind right, of going at back that to threshold that threshold. Again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, yeah. could be, it could be a football field. It could away. be a football field. Yeah. Yeah. There was a client I was actually on my phone with um, because we were three blocks away. They were at the bottom of the hill and I had the stuffed dog because it had to be that far. Mm-hmm. Um, every dog is different. But at a place where that dog can still take in information and learn. That's what's so important. So that the rewarding the look or rewarding the listen, it might be just that ear twitching, and feeding the dog while it's looking at the other dog or the person. And that was mind-blowing to me because, yeah, it had always been, look away, look at me, look yes. at me. You know? And I think clients even find that hard to to understand yes. that you're, they, they're like, aren't we rewarding them staring right. at the dog? Right, or rewarding the bark. And I'm like, yes. the bark is almost like the sympathetic nervous system response. They're, they're not intentionally doing that bark. They're having this emotional reaction. So we're not really rewarding that bark in that moment. They can't even make that cognitive leap. We are pairing a positive thing with what they see as the trigger. So, and if you and I were hiking and there was a rattlesnake on the side of the path and I was like, Emma, there's a snake, but look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> You're like, where? You'd be like, where's the snake? I need to learn about the snake. Instead, if we, you know, move a little bit further away from the snake, watch the snake, I hand you chocolate, maybe a glass of wine while we're watching I the snake. I wouldn't be looking at the snake a, anymore. A cider, right. You wouldn't be, you, you'd be like, oh, the snake's there. So that's the, yes, that's the I'm idea. I'm still thinking about it, but not much if there was chocolate involved. Um, it really empowers the human. And that's mm-hmm. why I love that so much yeah. because they've spent so much time embarrassed trying to get the dog to look away, trying to distract the dog yes. from the trigger, which actually just is more fuel on the fire. And all of a sudden we're saying, no, actually just stop a second, mm-hmm. let the dog look and reward that. And I, I think what's wonderful about that exercise, too, with lots of repetitions, mm-hmm. is then you start seeing the dog looking at the yes. dog and looking back, right? Yep. Do you see right, that? Right, or That's at the your person. end goal. I think yeah. some people, when they start these exercises, they go, well, where are we going right. with this? But yeah. seeing the dog change the way you can literally see, I think, the neural processing happening. Mm-hmm. The dog making a generalization of, oh, that's what that is. Yeah. And then building a memory network. Right. A little earlier, you mentioned that sometimes the people can be embarrassed by their dogs. And listen, there's sometimes I'm embarrassed yep. by my dogs. I'm sure they're yeah. embarrassed by me sometimes. <laughs> but what do you do to support the people, obviously teaching them the skills they need and these great, uh, easy fixes, hacks? But what are the other things you do to support the people? Mm, great question. Um, one of the first things that we do when we're talking about the dog body language is then I also am talking about their body language and their tension and how do the shoulders feel right now when they're holding the leash. We often will experiment with different ways to hold the leash so there's not the wrapping of the handle, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I also do a lot of absolution where I'm absolving them. (laughs) And I can't tell you how much judgment there is on dog owners right Mm -hmm. now. It's horrible. And some of it is in the client's head. And some of it is real. Some of it is comments people say. And the more humor I can add to the situation, the more I can empathize and sympathize because now I'm, this is my first time taking an air and I'm back to five dogs. Four out of five of my dogs are reactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live it. And so I get it. And I think just saying that to people, you know, and helping them empathize with their own dog, that this isn't something the dog is doing 
yeah. to be a jerk. This is because the dog's having big feelings. Because no behavior plan is perfect, right? Mm -hmm. There's going to, and for many of these dogs, there's going to be some barking and lunging for the rest of their lives. Because all dogs, at some point, bark and lunge of over course. something, right? That's a, those are normal dogs. Yeah. Um, people have put up their dog to a very high standard. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they, not everybody can be a Lassie or an Airbud, and though we hope for that, you know, it's it's looking at that dog in front of you, helping them see what their dog is doing right in those moments, and helping the people feel confident about what they're doing. Uh, so one thing I'd like to just close with is how important it is to reach out to a positive reinforcement trainer when you're dealing with aggressive behaviors. Because these behaviors come from a place in the brain that are um, reactions, emotional responses. If we use any kind of negative aversives, it can cause different or worsening of the same behavior. And that's not my opinion, that's science. Mm -hmm. So be really selective when you're choosing the professional that's gonna support you through this kind of behavior modification. That's really good advice. Yeah. So it was fun sharing some of our how-tos with you yeah. guys, some yeah. of, of our specific procedures. And uh, if you have any more questions, you can always feel free to reach out to us at dogchatspodcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And if there's anything like uh, we've said in previous episodes, if there's anything you want us to discuss, just let us know. Mm -hmm. We're happy to chat about it. All right. Until next time. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in today and hope you'll join us for our next episode. You can reach Emma at ecdogtraining.com or on Instagram at ecdog underscore training and Kirsten at kwhappydogs.com or on Facebook at kwhappydogs. Don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.